comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. TV podcast. This is episode 190 for season 7, episode 11, entitled Hostels and Calamities. I'm your host, Craig DeMonda. Join with me this evening, Mr. Aaron Newirth. Hey, I'm happy to be here on this Calamitous podcast. <laughs> Mr. Richard Chubtoad Sheldon. Uh, leave me alone. I'm playing Yars Revenge. That's a great game, man, isn't it? I mean, out of all I, the Atari I, I, games, that's, that's a very good one that they picked. That, what a great pull. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'd expect like Pac-Man or, you know, Pitfall or something, but Yars Revenge, but, that was a great game. I still have my Yars Revenge cartridge. And you're right, it's kind of like like not the popular one. But I mean, it, it was a super popular game, but it's like you had to be a really Atari guy to know that game. Like That was a really, somebody played Atari yeah. on the writing staff, for sure. And Mr. Jim Dietz. I would like to be referred to from now on as Dr. Smarty Pants. Mm-hmm. We can accommodate you if that makes you feel better. I can certainly do that and if you want. Chub Toad stole my pickle. <laughs> At least he didn't bite down on it like Eugene did. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> so, that's guys. What, yeah. That's what she said. Oh, your initial thoughts on the episode, guys. I, so, I came into this episode immediately after wrapping up a bunch of Oscar stuff involving uh, watching the Oscars and yes. recording a podcast, recapping the Oscars. Hollywood, so, like, t- tycoon type of stuff. Yes, we understand. We, we know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Came, we, my lovely girlfriend and I came back from our, our limo uh, express uh, from our you know our swanky Oscar party and everything. Did you but, watch regardless... Walking Dead in the limo? Was it on the way back or no? It wasn't on yet or what? Yeah, that's what I, but, but what I'm getting to is that there was such a it was such a you know a, a, if you want to talk about hostiles and calamities the Oscars ending was such a calamitous affair that it still was like cooling down <laughs> but, so like coming into this episode which was you know a lot slower than the previous week's episode not a lot slower, but I mean it, you know you know what I'm saying it's a it's a lot less kind of event driven um, in the same way that these some of the other episodes were uh, this is like all right this is like a nice cool down episode I like it overall I it it may lack the weirdness that I really enjoyed last week because I really like when the show embraces the weirdness, but it had a lot of, well, nerdy fun with Eugene this week, so I guess that's something. But, uh, yeah, I have some thoughts uh, regarding him specifically that we'll get to, but uh, I do like it overall. 
Excellent. This uh, this episode is by far the best quotable Eugene quotes of all of them. I absolutely loved it. There was even some good Negan quotes in this one. So I, I, try, I tried to get all, as many as I could, but if I if I miss one or two, you guys have to jump in and help me with the Eugene quotes because there was a lot. You're right; there was a, definitely I a smorgasbord. Feel like I ought to give you a signing bonus. <laughs> I, I was made at these pickles. <laughs> he, had, he had some good ones. He had some, I, I, I very much enjoyed the presence of Negan this week, which means a lot coming from yeah. me, I think. So. Do you think he's like finally finding the right balance with the character a little bit now? I mean, I think I think the show is. I mean, he's doing what's yeah. given to him. So I, it's never really been more Jeopardy Morgan's fault necessarily. It's just more the what the show's doing for him. Mm-hmm. And I think this. I think we're maybe it's just because he's shaved, but just the kind of his general demeanor just seems better now, as in this background. I think less is more with Negan too. We re- he really hasn't been front and center yeah. a lot the past three episodes. Having him back this episode, like just you know, a scene here and a scene there, I think was was a better use of the character than you know, like you say, Aaron. He kind of loses his menace after a while. He gets a little too cartoony. I think if they use him too much. Well, the thing too that was a difference with this episode is up until now we've seen the saviors just as this brute force that is a danger to all the communities around them. We don't really know much beyond their loyalty for Negan and, and, and whatnot to, so this episode to, you know, to take Eugene and, and, uh, 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 Negan out of it, just to see all the inner workings of the saviors and how they act, how their society works and reacts and everything. And honestly, I mean, yes, he's, he's, not exactly doing it in a, a most loving leadership way, but Negan's created quite a hell of a community there with a good system of the, you know, goods and services back and forth. He's just gone, you know, a little crazy at the, at the mm-hmm. same time. There's, there's some chicken and egging there because I just, I don't, I don't right. see this being the person that was able to create this. So I'm just like, don't, I don't understand how this could have happened to begin with, but I'm willing to roll along with it because I do find what's going on effective enough. I'll be careful what you wish for. They may do it an origin story or something before the season's over. We better be careful here. I mean, it's... if I didn't get a like, Father Gabriel flashback episode <laughs> last week, then I don't know. <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah, the, I think they really cements uh, this episode. Really cements Dwight as the anti Daryl, though. Oh yeah, I mean, I especially mean, after the letter and everything, and you know, her saying how much she she he reminded her of him back when he had his mind, or back when he was you know not so uh, you know docile under Negan's control or whatever, and back when he was a good person. But I mean, we see this like these parallels between Negan and Rick, and then between you know Daryl and Dwight, and. Um, it's not not exactly subtle, but you know it's it's interesting. Like the mirror universe versions of of the them, yeah. I mean, right, he's like Bizarro Daryl. Biz- <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked. I mean, a couple of things I noticed. I liked uh, either it's the writing or Jeffrey Dean Morgan is just he's finding the right balance with the character now. He's not so over the top. And I think I asked this a few episodes back. Like, can he just like talk a little softer, just be himself a little bit more? And like those conversations he had one on one with um with Eugene and even with Dwight. He wasn't so over the top. He wasn't like in his full mode. Like he was just talking, and I, I, it made him more real and more believable to me at that point. Not just that, you know, that, that blustery, over the top, leaning back, you know, at the bat and all that kind of stuff. Like he's well, even in the uh, the big scene. We'll talk about it, but even in the yeah. big scene, involved when he's you know in front of a group of people dealing with the doctor. I mean, that's a scene that could have easily played much like how I've seen him, where it feels, it feels like too much. But right. the, there's just it. It felt different. It does feel like they they. 
they kind of they've um, smoothed out the uh, some of the rough edges involving how to make this over the over the top comic book character work on a level that needs to be a weekly threat that you can buy into. I think it worked this week. Yep. Yeah, Something with that, with that scene too, especially with him being a maximum threat, they did a lot of cutaways from him during that scene. I mean, mm-hmm. they got a lot of close-ups to Eugene and even the girl, the woman that was holding Eugene and, and Dwight and everything. They didn't like... Like I remember very distinctly in the episode, the Indy Meeny Miney Mo episode, the the camera just lingering on Negan and lingering on his bat and like trying to make him seem menacing that way. This time they seemed made him seem more menacing just by the reaction shots, you know, of the crowd and whatnot. It seemed to me anyway. This episode. Mm-hmm. I also like what they did with Dwight. I know it was, it was kind of subtle, but that that scene in the house, and we'll get to that. Like I just liked. I mean, I, I, I know I read your review, Aaron. I know like you, you wished you cared more about these characters and stuff. I, I just I think they're they're doing okay by him now. Like I, I, he's definitely he's growing on me a little bit, especially what they did with him in this episode. I think more than others I've seen this season. I I will say this because I short shrifted what I was trying to say a bit in that because I was tired. Um, but with with Dwight, I do think that the work is being done there, and I do think there's with him specifically. I think it's working. It's just more of the whole Sherry thing. I barely know that character. And I feel like I don't have much of an impact of him feeling some sort of his own impact by her leaving and doing what she did because I don't I barely know her. Like, yeah, I, tell, I, I couldn't I tell you what to... she looked like out of a lineup, honestly. But I know who Dwight is because you know his face is burned. Like I, I know. He's <laughs> I have a theory though, there, Aaron, and I'll I'll get to it when we get to that scene. But I think that there was more based on the way it was edited. I think there's more to what happened in that house than what we were shown. So, but I'll I'll cover it when we get to that. Okay. Given some pictures that I was using to post the review, I was like, is there a scene I missed? Because I think I know what you're talking about. So. Oh, was there? I, I don't know. If that, I, that, I just think that there's something that was purposely edited out of that scene. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's get, jump right into it. So the cold open, and we do a very clever kind of a time jump back to right after Daryl got done with Fat Joey, and you see his remains. There's a bunch of saviors gathered around, including Dwight, staring at the bloody remains of Fat Joey and the remains of his sandwich, incidentally, on the ground. Uh, Dwight looks over to the motorcycle pool, and he quickly notices that of all the bikes that are gone, it's Daryl's. And then as he begins to panic a little, he goes inside to find that Daryl's cell is empty. He's gone. Uh, Dwight then retreats back to his room, and notices a few more clues that <laughs> I guess Daryl left for him. His sweatshirt on the ground being one of them, and a yellow note that was left for Daryl saying "Go now." So he's he's in full panic mode right now. I guess he feels responsible for uh, for what happened. So, because I, I know some of you guys thought that, and I believe a lot of the listeners also thought that Daryl uh, that Dwight was the one that let Daryl loose. Was anyone still convinced that that might have been the case at this point? Like there well, could be a, no. a way to explain it, or were you all convinced that? Yeah, that I thought Dwight it was Jesus act- or or Sherry. I didn't think it was Dwight. I didn't. I thought it was either one of the two of them. I didn't think it was mm-hmm. Dwight. Yeah, I was in the in the Jesus camp on that one, but um, right. I, but yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, but I never thought it was Dwight. I, I guess I'll put it but that way. Something yeah. else about this scene, though, is is the travesty that you see there. I mean, obviously what Daryl did upon his escape is is terrible, no matter if it's a savior or not, but I mean, just to be lying there exposed like that on the cold pavement, you know, just left to rot like that, sandwiches should never be treated that way. That's all I have to say. Because <laughs> they actually did focus on the sandwich for quite a bit. Like, there was a fly buzzing around exactly. it. Like, yeah, it was... It was the well, through the gum... The thing that got me about this scene, there's like there's like eight saviors standing around this dead body. They all hear the motorcycle off in the distance. 
None of them think to chase him down. Like none they're, of them. They're, standing. they're they don't in shock. Move. They're in total shock. They they're just like, they're in shock. They just lost a sandwich. <laughs> it looked like a good sandwich too. Had a nice and now Tony's yeah. just going to be Tony. Uh, yeah, Joey, Joey, right? Yeah, yeah. Joey, yeah. <laughs> Skinny Joey is now just Joey. It's, it's throwing off the whole balance of the community. Yes. Well, that's why he was in shock. He's like, wait, where are they going to call me now? Guys? I don't know. <laughs> so at the same time, I... Negan is pulling back into the compound with Eugene as a prisoner in the back of one of the trucks. So really, this is this is kind of a time jump to a few episodes back. But episode is, um, I'm sorry, Eugene is led by the savior named Laura. And we met her before. She's the one that has a tattoo on the neck and affectionately calls Eugene haircut. Eugene is sobbing the whole time. He's led into the prison block, begging and crying and sobbing, saying, please, please don't put me in, in, into the, you know, whatever, until Laura opens the door to a nicely furnished living quarters. It has a comfy yeah. chair, we see, a TV. Bear, Bear McCree, Bear McCree's yeah. score leading up to that is also very, it's just super tense. Like Could, just very, He's like ratcheting yeah. up the, the tension like really high as you open, before he opens that door. Like you think he's going into the into the hole, right? You just you just know yeah. it, right? Okay. Or, or worse. I don't like, I don't know if score was so intense. Like what's in store for Eugene right now? <laughs> so it has a comfy chair in there, a TV, a bed, a fridge, some books. And Laura uh, unties Eugene and whispers in his ear, welcome home, haircut. <laughs> bigger than my first apartment in San Francisco I'll tell you that much <laughs> so immediately Eugene notices the books on the shelf and kind of walks over and starts glancing at him Laura offers that they have many more books in the library and Eugene approves says that this will be satisfactory um, Laura then says that she will run and get him anything he wants to eat Eugene asks anything and Laura's like yeah anything Eugene's like okay I'll take a lobster <laughs> <laughs> Laura, Laura scoffs and says, well, what do you think this is? We don't have lobster. Eugene's second request was for some canned pasta. That's a that's a way off a of lobster. Like, you know, you're going yeah. from, on, the, on the gourmet scale. You're that's really like... falling down the ladder a little bit there. <laughs> going from, yeah, from testing, lobster I, to like, Chef Boyardee, you know. He was testing the limits, which I enjoyed. I like, because he, he, like, he questioned it. Like, what you, like, did a few double takes. is like, anything? 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 That's a, you anything. wanted the lobster. You want a lobster? But then it gets even better. Like, Laura asks, what kind of canned pasta do you want? The orangey kind or the red kind? Now, I, like, what does that mean? Like Chef Boyardee or SpaghettiOs? Like, what's the difference? The like, Chef that... Boyardee SpaghettiOs has the cheese in the sauce, so it oh, makes it kind yeah. of an orange color. Whereas, well, you know, the regular is just a red marinara. And all I can say is I bet that Daryl Taylor was just drooling out his mouth <laughs> during no. that scene just thinking about pasta. He likes Chef good Boyardee. pasta. He doesn't like that stuff. Come on. Jim is wincing right now. Chef Boyardee, come on. How could you guys, right? Come on. It is good sometimes, you know, they've got They've got fresh vegetables. Why? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he had a hankering for that the canned pasta. What can I tell you? So he then asks for some pickles, but then Laura says that they're out. Then he asks, okay, well, do you have potato chips? And Laura says that, yeah, actually, one of the people there, number 42, makes some kettle chips, but Eugene doesn't like this. No, no, forget it. Never mind. I don't want that. <laughs> like he, he is, he's very particular. He doesn't want kettle chips. He kettle wants, like, chips. Like, he wants like, homemade kettle chips. He wants, like, crappy, like, Lay's. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura then leaves, and, and Eugene walks over to the boombox and presses play. And at that point, we hear the famous song. The only song they must have bought licensing to this season. Well, well it's... Because we keep hearing it over and over. I think I have it. Wait a second. You're playing it? I've got it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so much better hearing it over your your phone over Skype. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Once you 
record that in a submarine. That'll sound even better. <laughs> so, so Eugene is like bobbing his head now. He's like, all right, this is cool. That's all right. God, that song. So, let me let me say let me say that's I think that's a brilliant use of that song because it <laughs> it complete it completely recontextualizes the meaning of it where Absolutely. it it once is used as torture for Daryl because it was played repetitively in a, you know an ironic fashion now it's very literal now it's actually Eugene is being presented with the exact opposite of Daryl where he's given everything he could want and so he's literally on Easy Street like that I thought that's such a because that song is so infectiously annoying the first time you hear it it's a great use of it the second time they bring it up like that I thought that was just a very clever way to do it and he's like, I will give them yeah. I will give them a lot of bonus points if like later on like a season or two down the road like Eugene sings that to himself and Daryl's like where did you hear that song? Where did you hear that song? I don't ever <laughs> want to hear that song. Why'd again. you play that song? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. So back, we do a cut they're, back. They're fighting yeah. in, a, in a dirty bathroom with each other. and like <laughs> Back to Dwight's room. Uh, he's sitting there studying the note carefully that he found. And he kind of, you can see, even in his face, he knows who wrote that note. But we don't know exactly yet. But he, he kind of knows. Once there's a knock at the door, he quickly hides it in his back pocket. And then suddenly, basically, after the knock comes, some of Negan's goons just bust open his door and start to beat him down mercilessly on the floor. And we just see Negan standing in the doorway, holding Lucille, watching as he's getting as Dwight's getting beaten down. Cool comic panel shot. That, like that mm-hmm. behind the back with the, with the, with the bat. Oh, like, yeah, totally. It's yeah. good framing. That's cool framing shot. By the way, I, I didn't mention this. Directed by Carrie Scoglin this episode and written by David Leslie Johnson. Harry's not. She's a big uh, TV director. A lot, a lot of credits. Yeah. So it's after the credits, we then see Dwight locked in a cell, perhaps the same one Daryl used to be in. I mean, they all look the same, I guess. But he's in the hole, one way or the other. Negan then bangs on the door and starts to talk to Dwight through the door. Uh, it's kind of a long conversation, saying to Dwight that does it bring back memories for him being locked in there, like he was after his little road trip with Tina and, and his wife Sherry. Um. Negan then admits he was ready to think that it was him that Daryl that Dwight set Daryl free until he realized that one of his wives was missing. And that would be Sherry. And Dwight said it couldn't have been her. He said it wasn't her. Negan is still asking, though, did you flip? Maybe Daryl got under your skin. Maybe he turned you around. They changed sides again, changed stripes or something, he said. Um, but he does have some legitimate grievances. But then he asks, who are you, Dwight? And Dwight replies, I'm Negan. And I guess that was enough for Negan because Negan then sighed and just opened up the door and kind of just like, you know, let him, almost let him go at that point. It basically does. Um, But Negan is very clever, though. He says something to Dwight at this point. He says, Daryl is very emotional. And he's either on his way home right now or he's on his way back for some revenge, meaning him and and Dwight. Like, he's going to go after both of them. Which he's probably he's right. I mean, really, there's only one one of two ways with with um, with Daryl. He then asks Dwight if he knows where Sherry could have went. Dwight says, "Yeah, he has an idea." So Negan then tells the doctors to stitch up Dwight so he can let him hit the road to bring her back. It's a there's there's a lot of stuff happening as far as people having conversations go. It's not much to really comment on, but I did like the I like this because they set up this doctor who we met before, but they they yeah. set up this doctor and the kind of rapport that he and Dwight seem to have, which is more or less the doctor talks a lot and Dwight just kind of nods along, and there seems to be an understanding because they're 
basically both in a terrible situation no matter what way you look at it um and i like how it kind of comes back again yeah so inside the doctor's office dr carson is being really smug you know he, he is with, with with dwight saying that he thinks that she did it sherry is so selfless that look at what she did she left her husband to marry negan husband meaning him and now she felt sorry for daryl he noticed that when they, when they met in his office before uh, and that she's such a caring person that she isn't expected to be around in this world anymore. Like he's just making all these smug kind of statements to, to Dwight, really getting under his skin, I guess. Um, and Dwight's having these little flashbacks as the doctor's talking, like he sees a picture of his wife and him, and he kind of sees these little images that go before, I guess, in his brain. Before Dwight can leave, though, he does go back into his room. He grabs a pack of Morley cigarettes that he had stashed away, and one of the butts has her lipstick on it so i guess it was a cigarette butt that she left behind and he kept it and he crumples the the pack and puts it in his pocket well, i think it reminds him of the because the, we got a couple scenes of of the two of them like in the hallway yep. right like smoking and like kind of was like how's your life going well my life's going just fine how's your <laughs> life? Sure that's basically what the conversation is. So i feel like it was kind of it was kind of te- you know like kind of reminding us of the, the you know those good old days that they were having as they uh dealt with the situation and, you know, setting us up for what's going to happen next, I guess. It's kind of interesting that he saved the cigarette butt, though. Like, that was his his memento of her at that point. Like, that's all he had left of her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Laura is taking Eugene on a tour of the commissary. I guess, for lack of a better word, I guess that's what it is. Kind of where they where they buy stuff with points, the, the, the saviors or the, or the slaves of the saviors. And she explains that the people here all survive on points. If they produce, they gain points. Um, that look, he can get anything he wants here. He can uh, he can get beer, bread, a cut of his head. She kind of makes a little play on words there, referring to her his lovely mullet. Laura says that they are different though, since they're part of the crew. They can simply take whatever they want here. She finds a jar of pickles, surprisingly, and says, "Hey, Eugene, it's your lucky day. You want some pickles? Here you go." Get, basically, gives the whole jar to Eugene. The two of them then walk outside and they see Negan. And we can kind of hear Negan talking about Simon going to to Alexandria. Like you see, you don't see it, but you kind of hear him mentioning it, saying he'll do the good cop thing. So you you can see them already planning what already happened. But it's it's kind of neat there. But then when he sees Eugene, Negan's excited and said, "There he is, the man of the hour." And he points to Lucille where the bullet was lodged, and he kind of like he's, he's tormenting Eugene a little bit, saying, "You know, usually someone would have met Lucille a lot closer, kind of knocking him in his head." But Negan wants to know if Eugene is a smarty pants and if he knows things. And Eugene's deathly afraid. He's stammering. He's all afraid. He's very scared. He says I that am he, a smarty pants. Yes, he says indeed he is a smarty pants. <laughs> Explains to Negan in detail how he made the bullet that was lodged inside Lucille. Eugene then assumes his old cover story, which I thought was such a great callback, how he was this microbiologist doctor and he was working under T. Brooks Ellis, whoever that is, making weaponized diseases of the Human Genome Project and blah, 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 fighting fire with fire. Like the exact same story he, he told Abraham and all the others to get him where he was. It's like he he just resurrected it. Right. Yeah. Callback, you know? Yeah. This is see. This is why I feel like Negan is working this episode for me because it's not relying on him just being over the top and insane, not insane, but you know, over the top is to the, to the point of intimidation. Here he's he's being very 
he's being a tactician. Like he understands exactly what Eugene is already. He knows he's, this is not a guy that he needs to, you know, he doesn't need to threaten like his best friends by cutting off his arm or something to get him to do what he wants. He just needs to say a couple words to him. Like he, he can break this man very easily. So he thinks. And I, I like this kind of approach to his like, I'm, I don't need to kill you, but I can't terrify you because I also want things from you. I want you to do stuff for me. And I think he, he gets that across very well in, you know, the kind of few things he realizes he needs to say in order to get this reaction out of him. Yeah. So Negan then poses a challenge to Eugene. And we, he, we see a walker at this point chained, I mean, staked to a chain link fence, literally disintegrate into two. Like, I think this is a great little scene where his body just totally rots apart and falls into a pile of guts and Negan explains that look you see we use these 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 walkers as a perimeter to keep the riffraff out but they're hard to keep because they keep rotting away and they're hard to kind of you know stay fresh Eugene thinks quickly and says that he noticed that they have smelting equipment inside he said step one you melt down the scrap metal and step two you pour the liquid metal on the walkers to preserve them cover their head cover their body melt them to the fence that way they can't decompose and they'll still be a threat to anyone that, that wants to come in and Negan, the, from a yeah from a biological standpoint that sounds absolutely disgusting just thinking of like what would go on with that it's like this rotting yeah. corpse inside this metal shell like, <laughs> that's fine to think about first of all it's like marvel zombies iron man Uh, second of all wouldn't the molten wouldn't the molten metal like just melt away the flesh of the zombie as it if it's a fresh walker no (laughs) i don't know i mean it's i love to see it happen melts away the flesh but i guess i as opposed to the ones that are decomposed remember remember the first season of game of thrones where they poured the molten gold on the guy's head and they melted it it didn't i mean it melted well it, it, no, it, but it set fire to it, right? Yes, it was it was a painful situation, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and Eugene throws in, it'll keep them safe from hostiles and calamities. That's hence the name of this week's episode. So Negan is properly impressed. He's like, he's over the moon at this point. He's like, that is so cool. He's like, he's like, the, he just loves the whole idea of, of melting metal on top of these walkers. And he calls him at this point, Dr. Smarty Pants. So he's now graduated to that name. And he asks, and he gets close to, to Eugene. It's so cool. He's, like, he's just a regular guy. He asks if Rick had him doing this kind of cool stuff, you know, valuable stuff back in town. And obviously, you know, he didn't. And uh, Negan says, as a token of his gratitude, he'll send over a couple of his wives. Uh, he said, no sex. That's, that's a big no-no. But just a way for him to feel human again spend some time with some pretty ladies. Eugene says, thank you. And Negan pats him on the back. I mean, he first tries. He first tries to say first no. He says, I got these, first he says no. I got these pickles, he, right? I, yeah, I was gifted like, these pickles. He said or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was gifted the pickles, which is <laughs> it's a great scene line. Right. <laughs> but eventually, you know, Negan just pats him on the back, and they're 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 cool now. So commercial. After that, in Eugene's apartment, Eugene is sitting on the chair playing Yar's Revenge on a Atari twenty six hundred, surrounded by three of Negan's wives. One of them offers him a massage. I think that's Frankie. But he declines because he says they aren't there at their own will. He goes, you know, we know you, you're just here because Negan told you to be here. You're not here because you want to be here. And he gets up and offers them some more popcorn. He's a nice host. The girls tease him. They kind of say, oh, you're really smart. What do you know how to do? Can you make a bomb or something out of, out of toothpicks and bleach? He's like, yeah, I can. And the girls say, seriously? And he goes, serious sepsis. <laughs> 
Sure. <laughs> what a line. Because that's the line. <laughs> that's a Eugene. That's, some, it's Eugene that's something someone says. So they go outside, and Eugene has somehow produced hydrogen and filled two latex gloves with them, so they're lighter than air. They're kind of bobbing around and floating. And then he puts on a show. He says, I'm going to light this candle. And the girl's like that when he says that. He goes, no, I'm really going to light this candle. And then he starts humming <laughs> the 1812 overture. And then he somehow makes a chemical reaction in the beaker. He pours something with, I don't know, what kind of chemicals he mixes together in the beaker. It explodes. And it's this called big... making elephant's toothpaste. And basically, you're breaking down the hydrogen. And it's a, it's really cool. It's like I a volcano in school. For... Like That's what you used to do, right, for that? Is that what it is? Like, no, no, not exactly. It, it's just it's a chemical reaction that happens really fast, and it's it's awesome. I used to do teach after school science programs, oh. and we used to do that uh, amongst many other things too. I don't know if you watched Talking Dead; they recreated it on there. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I kind of nodded off right before that scene, but I, I who did, did it? it? Who was who was on? It was Eugene. It was um, and who else was on there? Josh, um, Josh McDermott. Yeah, Josh McDermott, and who else was there? Uh, oh, oh, the Luke guy that plays Dwight. Okay. Yeah. What? The guy that plays Dwight and then this rapper. What was his name? Um, Little John? <laughs> Little John. Little John. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was him. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so it was it was Josh McDermott, uh, Austin Emilio, yes. and Little John. Yes. Were the guests yep. John. Correct. Correct. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so Eugene makes his chemical reaction in the beaker, and then he goes with a candle and explodes the hydrogen gloves, and they go up in this lovely kind of explosion, and the girls are just impressed. They love it, and they hug him. So I guess that was their their fireworks for the night. He's really putting a show on too. Like he, he's he, when he mixes the chemicals, he's all like walking. He's walking his version of cool. And uh, and there's a there's a part where he says like I'm gonna light this candle. Right. And they kind of like they cheer. And then he's like he backs. He's like no, I'm, I'm really gonna light this candle. Like he has a actual <laughs> candle in his hand. He's gonna light it. <laughs> like he wasn't speaking metaphorically. He was like yeah, I'm really yeah, gonna do this. Yeah. Like, literally gonna light a candle. <laughs> So back to Dwight, he's on a motorcycle. We see that he goes to his old house, we come to find out. He finds a photo on the ground um, of the two of them, you know, before the outbreak, him and his wife smiling. It's a nice photo. Sherry left a note, though, for Dwight, and we kind of hear a voiceover of Sherry reading the note. Uh, and essentially, the, you know, the note was pretty long, but it's that she knew that he would come looking for her, her there and that she's gone for good. She's basically saying... I don't know if you're going to kill me or bring me back to Negan, but either way, I'm out of here. She still loves him very much, but misses who he used to be. Uh, Sherry blames herself for what Dwight has become. Uh, and then we see a, where she left her wedding rings also, a wedding ring and her engagement ring on top of the note. And then at the same time, we see him pick out the, the, the cigarette pack again, and inside the bottom of the pack was his wedding ring. So he puts all three of them together in his hand. And we still hear the voiceover. It's it's kind of nice. And then she she makes a comment about you know we, we we always talked about this moment where we were eating pretzels and drinking beer, and then he did bring actually pretzels and beer, which was interesting to me because she kept referring to how bad his memory was. Right, but then somehow you like, remember but that he remembered right? yeah. to bring the pretzels and beer. Yeah, that that this this is all why it wasn't like huge on like the intent of the scene. I liked the construction of it. I liked the use of imagery because I think The Walking Dead tends to do a very good job at kind of presenting you with uh, more cinematic versions of things that don't involve dialogue or, you know, characters speaking with each other. I think it tends to do that very well as kind of uh, right. juxtaposing the, uh, images with each other and making things work. Um, but the kind of the, the, the words in this note, I was like, I don't, again, I don't care enough about Sherry to really dig into what's going on here. And I don't know enough about Dwight to really feel this history. 
um, despite what the, ep- the the shows tried to give us with this. But like you're talking about like this memory things like what's this? Like, what is this referring to? Like, I don't know about his lack of memory or what have you. Like it's it's a nice scene as far as what it's trying to do. But it's just I don't I'm not con- I don't connect with this relationship they've had together, especially because we've always seen them kind of be antagonistic towards each other, or like what? kind of away from each other or, or, you know, relating to each other on a different level than being man and wife. Well, if you remember the episode right. in the woods, though, that was like two was it two seasons ago at this point now or whatever. It was, it was, a, I mean, it was, it was the last season. Yeah, it was like the first half of the last season. Yeah. I mean, you remember that they were in the burnout woods and you did see a little they weren't antagonistic. They were definitely on each other's team at that point. I mean, they were. They were together, yeah, no, I, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. That also one thing that wasn't one of my one of the higher episodes for me. Is Daryl in the woods hanging out with these random people, and then they screw him over at the they end. Screw him over, basically in the end, right? Yeah, they go back. Would would the fact that Sherry is actually dead change the way you saw that scene, Aaron? If it if it made something clear, because I I, I feel like I know what you're getting to, because we don't really know the way that it's edited. I and the he, there are several points where his eyes connect upwards a little bit. I think she was it, it, in the other half of that room where the note was, but we couldn't see off camera hanging from a rope. That's what I think. I think she killed mm-hmm. herself. That wasn't a note goodbye. That was a suicide note. Well, don't, I mean, don't you think the show would not want to make that ambiguous? Like, yeah, what's they, the would, they would show that. I think. What's yeah. the pur- I don't know. It, it's the, the line. One of the lines in the in the note said something about it. Living that life, death would be better than. I, I don't know. It just to me the way it was edited, the way it was written. I just got the impression that she was hanging there in the room, dead. I think the idea is that if she were to get caught, she knows she would be dead. I mean, it's, so it's just a, a straight up like I'm gone forever. I hope I don't get found. Um, that said, ch- chances of her coming back, I think, are quite high because it's a TV show. Um, but <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, and I respect it. If if that's the way it was, I'd be I'd be curious to see you know what where the future Dwight subplot will go involving us a reveal of that kind. Right. It's just I feel like the show would also it would make it. it the, this is not a subtle show. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't go out of its way to right. not show you something like that. You'd I, see I, her yeah. being a zombie hanging there, like that, hanging from a rope. Right? You'd see her turned already. They, they would show Maybe. that. Maybe. Right? I don't know. It just, that, the whole time that scene was playing, the way it was shot, edited, all that, I just, the impression I got was she was dead. I, I, I didn't get that. I, I hear what you're saying. It's, it'll be, it's a cool theory. I think it's actually really interesting. I, I will say this, though. I did like uh, the acting that Austin Emilio did, or at least he, he didn't really have any lines, but the way he was acting, his eyes, his look, he, he, the, he the look of anguish, well. he emoted very well. I was just really impressed with that. Um, that part of it, I kind of like felt for the guy at that moment. Like for the first time, I actually felt for this guy. I really felt like, oh wow, his wife really is gone and his life is just done. And he's just, you know, I, I really, it was good. I just liked that, that. That scene in the house was good for me. I liked it. Now I have a question for Aaron. When we, I, I started talking about this at the beginning of the episode, um, mm-hmm. you said when you were looking for images that explained some, what were you talking about? Strange well, images. Well, the image that I found, because I found an image of um, Dwight outside of that house with the shotgun to a walker's head. And I was like, did I miss some scene? Like, was there some scene where he encountered a walker? Because I don't recall that one. But uh, it was from this episode. I was made sure of that, too. So I was just curious if there was some other scene that what happened. Or... Where did you see from a trailer or something or photo? What, no, it's on, it's on, the, on the AMC website. After I write my reviews, I get the I get the photos for the episodes from hmm. the AMC website. So they release a batch of photos for each episode. And that one, there's... There, there was one particular photo that had Dwight outside of that little house where he found the note, hmm. uh, with a shotgun pointed at a, like a walker's head. And I was like, huh. 
They must have edited that out just to make it more, you know, I guess, more moody, yeah. I suppose. Like, you know, just because, to, because there's a lot of quick editing in that to kind of go mm-hmm, between a number right. of things of what's going on in that scene. So I, I was curious if, like, he, the, his, his lead up to getting to that house or leaving that house, he encountered a walker and he just kind of shot it and they had, they filmed that, but it's like it's not working in this whole uh, montage. Yeah, it's probably what it is. That's my guess too. It's just, especially, yeah. but you know, because there's so many like lack of Walker deaths this week, I was like, did I, did I actually miss something? I wasn't sure. <laughs> there was only one, right? The one that fell apart on the, the one fence, that fell right? Yeah. 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 So back in Eugene's pad, the two girls, Tanya and Frankie, come back and ask for Eugene's help in developing a poison to put one of the girls, Amber, out of her misery. And they were saying, did you see how miserable she was last night? And she was drinking. She feels like a slave. She just wants to end it all. Um, they try to shame Eugene into doing it uh, by calling him a good man. You're such a good man. You know, it's the right thing to do. Eugene is hesitant, but eventually he says he can, he can do it and he will do it, but he needs Amber's precise weight. To guarantee, what do you say, a T.O. pain-free D, whatever that means, <laughs> in Eugenese. He, he, he used a lot of, like, uh, um, abbreviations and things. I was like, this, all right, he's going over the top with like, this at this point. Pain-free D, okay, pain-free death, what does T.O. mean? I don't know what that meant. Oh, yeah, I thought you said T.O.D., time of death. Oh, T.O.D., pain-free D. T.O.D., ASAP. ASAP, right, he did say ASAP, right. He threw an ASAP in there. Good stuff. So that brought us to a next commercial break, and this is a very special commercial break because it is, is it time. time. It is time. Yes. We are around, here everyone. for Fear the Walking Dead. Hashtag Passage Unleashed by T-Mobile. Presented by Aaron Newarth. Aaron, would you please give us this week's thrilling synopsis hashtag, of Passage? Actually, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes. Hashtag the Uncarrier. The Uncarrier, that's correct, yes. Guys, Guys, this week's Fear the Walking Dead hashtag passage presented by <laughs> Unleashed by T-Mobile hashtag the Uncarrier. <laughs> this is a good one. Like last week was a good like. All right, let's uh, you know, we're 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 we're, we're establishing things again. We're kind of moving moving things around. This one is like we're, we're really moving. We're really pushing the plot forward. Um, so once again, we have Sierra, the formerly known as Knifey Girl uh, or Knifey <laughs> Woman. Um, she's walking through the mine. Um, that they, they're now underground in the whatever, you know, the, the tunnel that they seem to be in. She has her flashlight. She's looking around. She's trying to see what's up. She finds an op- a more open area. Um, she sees things around her. Uh, she sees like a like it's space. It seems like an, a space that's been occupied previously. It has lights in it, for example, as well. Um, she starts to hear voices. Um, uh, it, it's it's it sounds like as if it's a it's Colton who's been stabbed in the leg and Gabby, his uh, presumed girlfriend of some kind. Um, they're looking around C2. It seems like they want to, you know, to, they want to catch up with her before whatever else is down here happens. Uh, Sierra quickly hides under a, under a sheet inside like a mine cart or something like that. She hides under a sheet to, to you know, get herself covered because presumably this Colton person, they seem to be at odds with each other. And he did stab her after all. I, I mean, he stabbed, he stabbed, she stabbed him. Yeah. Yeah. And in a shocking moment in Fear the Walking Dead hashtag passage presented by unleashed by T Mobile hashtag the Uncarrier, um, <laughs> inside the under the sheet with Sierra turns out to be a walker. It comes alive, <clears throat> grabbing at her, and it's like grabbing her by the shoulders, and she's like trying to fend it off. And before you know it, that's the end of this week's episode of Fear the Walking oh Dead. Oh my God, my heart, oh. my heart. Do you have my heart medication, somebody? <laughs> please, I can't. But I can't. 
I can't take it. It, it. it was actually though that scene with the walker underneath the blanket with her. Like they filmed it really weird. Like, it was like shaky. Like the it was like twitching the walker. Like it was trying to get. It. I thought it was really neat the way they actually they filmed the one. It was actually but yeah, it, it, like sprang to life. It was coming at her. Like that. It was like close quarters and everything too. So yeah, I was like, this is like this is intense. It was like a good good solid episode. If you the one, I was like loving it. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It was really. Listen, Aaron. As always, your 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 synopses of uh, hashtag passage unleashed by T-Mobile hashtag the uncarrier is just they're second to none. In fact, it, I can see now why it's worthy of a what is it a screenwriters uh, award? Is that what it is? Or um, you got a, won a WGA award for Flight Four Six Two. Yeah, yeah I, I can see see why. So it's uh, it's getting there. Well, thank bravo, you, Aaron. Bravo, bravo. Appreciate I've, that. You know, anything I can do to talk up Fear the Walking Dead hashtag passage unleashed by the T-Mobile with hashtag the uncarrier. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a win for anybody that's interested in, you know, being unleashed by T-Mobile. I think yeah. that's that's the greater good I'm certain. <laughs> Excellent. So Eugene is back in the commissary, waiting in a long line. We see him there, and he then loses patience and cuts to the front of the line, demanding some cold medication. And the lady who's dishing out the you know the goods, the wares, whatever, gives him some serious lip. Says, "You know what are you doing? Cutting the line? What do you think you are, asshole? Whatever." And Eugene turns and starts to walk away, but then he like, stops. He freezes. He kind of like becomes hardcore. Turns around and says, "What's your number?" Like he's you know trying to be a badass now. Um, he says that he is now the chief engineer of this facility. He's number sixteen. His name is Doctor Eugene Porter, and that she reports to his ass. <laughs> Well, then turn around. Oh, I can report to it. Yeah, exactly. The lady gives up the meds, and then Eugene says, I'm taking this too. He grabs a bedpan. He grabs a spatula, and then he grabs this green stuffed animal. He says, what is this? What is this called? What is it called? I'm going to call it a Gremly gunk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I got that right right from the closed captioning, guys. So I, I, I spelled it just like they did in the show. Gremly gunk. Yes. It was a stuffed... Toy sloth is, is what the, they said. That's what they said on Talking Dead. It, it, one of those classic it, toy sloths you always hear about. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. where to put a name? I'm gonna call <laughs> you Gremly Gunk. Okay. I mean, and he later, when they're in the end of the episode, when he's overseeing them pouring the molten metal on the zombies, he's holding that damn. Thing. Oh, I didn't yeah, see yeah, that yeah, part. Did he? Yeah, he, he, had his, yeah. he had it in his yeah. pocket. No, oh, yeah. I totally missed that. His coat, yeah. I saw him when eating the pickle. I didn't see him holding the Gremly gunk. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It was sticking out of his pocket. So, what is the Gremly gunk? Is that a D and D reference, Jim, or is that something I'm missing here? Like, what? Where is that from? Is that you just made it up? Like, it was a uh, five t- five time lose champion Sam Gremly gunk. <laughs> <laughs> what do they teach you in school, man? I, I don't know, man. I, I must be really deprived over here. <laughs> so, on the, wasn't he on the Jamaican bobsled team? It's no, the it childhood. It was Luge. Luge. Okay. Oh. It's the childhood friend of Griselda Gunderson, obviously. Griselda, Gun- the 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 stuffed animal of the late uh, Mika and um, and Lizzie. The, yes, Raggedy Ann or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. Oh wow. You know it. So then we begin a beautiful, quick little music montage where we see Eugene. It kind of reminded me of Breaking Bad, actually. To tell you the truth, like the way they shot it. I felt like this is this is right out of Breaking Bad. He he's making his pills. He's making his poison pills using all the, the stuff he put together. This is very much Breaking Bad. Reference. That's just that's what it felt like. It felt like right, this especially is, this is with a, the the goggles and the, the bandana and everything. Yeah, it was oh. just totally rip up from Breaking Bad. I loved it. It was actually it was. I don't know what song they used. Doesn't matter. It was like some rock song, but it was. They just, might be giants. 
Is it? It was. Yeah, it was okay. the They might be giants song because it's it, a nerd. Like that's it's, it's, it it's was. perfect. It was <laughs> They Might Be Giants, and um, I. This isn't the first time they've paid homage to Breaking Bad in Walking Dead, so it's kind of cool. The blue, the blue meth, right? They did that. Yeah. Uh, sure, the one. Yeah. Or no, in Walking Dead, right? Yeah. No, uh, Walking Dead. It was da- um, what was it? Merle. There, it, it, it Merle's was Merle's stash. stash of meth was blue. Yeah, and didn't it come back after the Walking Dead in some way? Also, wasn't that like a thing? It well, may have been. I don't remember. There was like a fan theory that the Walking Dead is a is like a, is after future yep. is after Breaking Bad. Yeah, I don't know. So whatever. Then back in the doc's office, Dwight tells the doc that he found Sherry out there, but she ran into a horde of zombies. The doctor, still being smug with Dwight, says that he did not. Uh, he did what he had to do, and that people don't get to have big hearts anymore. Remember that. He's just just lecturing, being very, you know, against so smug and superior with him. Um, he's like, you really didn't like this doctor character. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, but it's he's just being so cold to uh, to Dwight. Like, like he's so superior to him. That's what it was. Like he's like, you know, you're you're nothing. Like you you let your wife get taken by Negan, but that's the way it's got to be now. So it's like he. I don't know. He was just very superior sounding. The only thing that I found annoying about him was that he just kept telling Dwight his own backstory. Yeah. Like, okay, Dwight, yes, Dwight knows all this stuff. So do we. Can we get on with this now? He felt like Mm. Dr. Exposition more than anything. That was Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the... Just the, the way you're saying his lines is not. It doesn't sound like to me. That's they, they didn't come off that way to me. That's why I picked up on it. Like it was just so smug. It was like oh, whatever. No, what did he? Uh, people don't get to have big hearts anymore. Remember that? Like it's like he's lecturing him. Just, you know, it's, it's not like, a very. He said it matter of fact to me. Like, okay, it, it's just it, which I mean that goes to the exposition more of just like okay, he's yeah. just here. To, he's here to make sure we recognize that this is the Doctor character, and because we don't have too much information to give him mm. beyond stuff that we're supposed to know already, he's just going to reiterate that. And I can see how that can, I guess, come off as smug by tell you know d- d- talking down to somebody about who they are. Yeah, I, I, I can see where which is a stuff. typical Doctor's thing because Doctors uh-huh. tend to act all superior as it is anyway. I think it's also just because I, you know, legitimately felt bad for him into the next scene that we're going to get to. So, <laughs> so e- Eugene is brought by Laura to uh, a gathering in the warehouse by the fire. So we know what this is going to be. This is, this is, this is the iron scene here. And Eugene then is forced to kneel. It appears someone is going to get the iron. Negan points directly at Negan. I'm sorry. Negan points directly at Eugene and says, "You're going to want to pay close attention to this before he starts his." His interrogation of the doctor. He takes a swing at Dr. Carson's arm, which is <laughs> kind of cool. Negan produces a note and that says, Goodbye, honey, on the same yellow paper. And I don't know if that was forged or if he cut it from the note that he found it, in the it house. Looked like it, was, it looked like it was from the note in the house. Like he cut it because it's just like a little piece of paper. A little square. Yeah. Okay, so he, he she trimmed it from her. her okay. Uh, it, it's in Sherry's handwriting and blames the doc for letting Daryl out. That, that you know you, you you had a thing for her you wanted to win her favor you knew she wasn't happy about Daryl being captured so you let Daryl out the doc insists that he was innocent that it was Sherry that's why she ran the doc then blames Dwight and Negan says wait a second wait a second why would Dwight pin this on you he has nothing to gain by this if he's caught I'll burn the other side of his face till he's dead <laughs> so <laughs> he knows that it's 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 not Dwight he's, he's Negan's convinced himself it's not Dwight he even said that that little extra time that he spent in the hole got his head screwed on straight. And he goes, right, Dwight? And Dwight's like, yeah, right. And like, he's he's agreeing with Negan. 
So Dwight gives Negan the iron right from the fire. It's red hot. The doctor starts to plead with him. says, please, 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 don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Negan gives him a way out. He says, okay, if you confess and you say you're sorry, I won't, we won't do this. So the doctor, of course, just says, oh, yes, I did it. It was me. I'm so sorry. It was all my fault. Negan then drops the iron. And at that point, we kind of think that Negan's going to let the doctor off the hook. And yeah. he, he pulled a Samuel L. Jackson. He goes, that's all you had to say. He did a little, he did a little, little Pulp Fiction uh, call back there. That's all you had to say, he said. But suddenly he looks at Eugene again. He stares right at Eugene, takes the doc by the britches, and then throws him directly into the fire head first and holds him there. Yeah, I... I was I, I wasn't thinking the doctor was safe at that point. I was like, oh, he's going to do something even worse now. <laughs> <laughs> this is well, I thought because he was a doctor, like that was the only thing that like maybe he really won't mess his doctor up. Like that's what I thought. They got Doctor Eugene. <laughs> well, they, he, he and, said and, something. Or presumably some other doctor. Like I'm convinced that Negan is smart enough to know that he could. He, this doctor is, is somewhat expendable. Well, here's an interesting tieback because I again the closed captions help with the, these kind of things. And I watched it. it. Says a good thing we got to spare Doctor Carson. Negan says. Now, I believe that he's referring to the doctor at the hilltop. I believe they, they were brothers. I think the doctor that was here and the doctor that was at the hilltop. They're brothers. Oh, All right. Maybe, I think so, you're right. So that's where he's referring to that. It's a good thing we got to spare Dr. Carson, he said. He there said is a, that line. Yeah, there is Har- Harlan Carson is the doctor of the hilltop, as he says on the Wikipedia page. So they were brothers, and apparently, well, they, one Carson's down, but now they have to go pick up the other one, I guess. They just got a new member of the hilltop, the Hilltoppers Red Shirt Army. That's it. So that was pretty cool. I thought, and, it, and I missed that line initially. Again, I had, the, the captions help with that because I, I, I totally didn't even hear that line. I heard the line. I just I didn't think of it as there's a literal other Doctor Carson. I just figured they have another doctor somewhere in their giant sanctuary, or they could be referring to Doctor Smarty Pants, like thinking that maybe he can replace the doctor, right? Maybe, but That's more or less what I was thinking. Okay. So back to Eugene's apartment. He's again we, playing. Wait, do we, do yeah. We, do we acknowledge Eugene has completely made you know use that lie again about the whole human genome project? Do we acknowledge the fact that he's like falling back on that? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we talked yeah. about it earlier on. I said that he he fell right back into his old lie. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. He called like word for word. He went. He he said his exact speech he told everyone else before. It was like hilarious. Drinks, yeah, I mean, drinks last, were had. You know, interdepartmental, whatever. It's like you know. Last, last time that happened, let's just let's recall that he almost died based off his friend beating him up. What do you think? What do you think happens when Negan finds out he's lying about this? <laughs> so back to Eugene's apartment. He's again playing Yar's Revenge. Frankie and Tanya come back, wanting to know if he's done making his poison pills. Eugene said that he did it, but they're not going to get them from him. And Frankie tries to plead, but Eugene says, "Pump your brakes, Brett Red." <laughs> <laughs> Eugene says that he isn't stupid, that they really want the pills to poison Negan. That's why they asked for extra, not their friend Amber. And they uh, they threaten to uh, tell on Eugene to Negan. He's like, you know what? That's not that's kind of a tactical error if you do so. So on the way out, though, they call Eugene a coward. He says, that is a correct assessment. <laughs> Sitting there. Doesn't even blink. Still playing his video game. Eugene it's a good uh, Eugene. Yeah. It's there's a lot of great different shades of Eugene here, and that's a, it's another good one. Just the way he's like he's so confident in how he's saying this and everything. Yeah. So he proceeds to eat a pickle from his jar a little bit later. I guess it's nighttime now, and then Negan bangs on the door because we hear that that dun, 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 dun. he invites himself in. Negan, that is, and wants a quick conversation. 
Um, very serious, though. Negan remarks that Frankie and, and Tanya had nothing but good things to say about him and that Negan tells him not to be scared anymore because, again, he can see that Eugene is trembling again and he says, you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be afraid of, but you just have to answer one question. And he says, Negan says, who are, and before he can finish it, Eugene responds, I'm Negan. I am utterly stone cold Negan. I was Negan before I even met, met and even know who you were. I was Negan. Now that I met you, I'm even more Negan than I was before. I was Negan before it was cool, man. <laughs> I was the first guy in my town to go to be Negan. That's it. So then we cut to a scene where outside and Eugene is wearing like a new dark dark outfit like he's like the dark side yeah. of eugene like he, he's put wearing, his, he put on his cloak yeah he's wearing, yeah he's wearing this like black shirt you never see him wearing like dark clothes like this he's munching on his pickles and again he was holding this stuffed animal i missed that and he's overseeing the molten metal work i guess the slaves are trying to you know get the molten metal plan to work and get these guys you know melted to the fence and then dwight appears next to eugene and eugene's about to apologize for him for clamping down on basically on dwight's you know private parts the first time that they met Dwight cuts him off and asks if he really is on board and Eugene says yes and ends by saying we are Negan and he says my name is Eugene in case you didn't know and he says your name is Dwight and he says yeah and then that's it we are Negan and Dwight says yeah so the two of them are kind of left standing there so I guess a lot of questions are out there is is Eugene playing a role right now is he really turned over to Negan's side I guess we really don't know there's gonna be a lot of theories out there but so yeah here that's the that's the question that I get to where right. I, I I feel like that the show's the show's characterization tends to not be very good which actually works to its advantage here because I I honestly I have less of an idea than I would just based off general knowledge of how TV shows work I, I honestly don't know if it it could be either way. Uh, Eugene's cowardice has proven it very likely that he could have actually just pulled another cowardly move and has completely rejected anything other than what will keep him alive, and so he really is for Negan. Right. Or <laughs> he could be very much playing a long con here, and he could be – I mean, he kept those pills. Maybe he does have his own plan for Negan that he wants to use at a better time. Maybe he can team up with Dwight, who also might be harboring some, you know, some, uh, some ill will towards his current master. I mean, there's there's a number of directions this could go that I actually think work out well as far as what's coming. Yeah. I mean, the theories that are out there, I, I, I think that, well, I, I think that Eugene is actually, I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to go on a limb. I think he really is buying into this. I think it's like, if I get myself with this group, they respect me, they call me doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm given a nice home, I'm respected, I'm given tasks... I think he thinks he can fit into this community. I don't think he's, like, thinking right now about trying to escape or get back to Rick's group or anything. I think he's really trying to just survive with this group. That's my guess. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is always, you know, he's going to try to get back home. But I, I don't know. What I does he have left back he, there? Like, what does he have I, left? I mean, I certainly think he's putting self-preservation above anything because, you know, you don't want to die. Um, but but I think the, because of the... Because he's he's self aware. He know he knows what he is. That's what that's what throws me. Hmm. He he knows he's this nerd. He knows he can't defend himself in the way others can, despite the fact that he has tried to learn how. Like he did take up the lessons with the others to like for how to use guns and use not use the uh, machetes or what have you. Like he's right. he's made the effort to increase his 
potential. Like he had that whole speech with with Abraham about how you know how he can how he can fend for himself and whatnot. Right, right. Uh, like like so, there's been little t- little hints of development as far as how he how he knows how to handle himself. But I do think there's there's a lot of mystery, like whether it could be what could go either way, and I'm. I do like that because I, I don't know what to expect now. Like, I, I don't know what to I, I can be legitimately surprised if, you know, Eugene becomes, you know, Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker in this situation. Yeah. Hmm. So before we get to our Buster ratings and uh, we then we get to our, our lovely Facebook group's Buster ratings, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, Chubb, would you be so kind to take it this week? Sure. Our sponsor this week, as in every week. Uh, is DCB service at dcbservice.com. Uh, you can get great discounts on comic books and comic book related merchandise, all kinds of uh, fantastic Walking Dead stuff. They're constantly having all kinds of comic book bundles um, every month um, based on the publishers and whatnot. And uh, you can save 30, 40, sometimes 50% off. Um, they have great uh, toy collections, statues, um, all kinds of accessories that are uh, related to comic books and whatnot. So uh, I recommend it. I believe everybody on this show has has used their service at one time or another. Uh, also, their sister uh, site, InStockTrades.com, you can save a lot of money on trade paperbacks there. So um, we thank them for uh, sponsoring us once again. Yes, they make it possible for us to come to you each and every week. So, thanks, Chubb. All right, let's get to our Buster ratings. Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, I would go three and a half Busters this week. I, I think it's a fine episode. It does what it does well enough. I think uh, Josh McDermott gets to, you know, he gets to be the the highlight character for this hour, and so there's a lot of Eugene to go around. Not necessarily my favorite character, so you know, it doesn't stand out as much as certain other characters would if they had their own whole episode, but it's still effective in showing me the sanctuary from like a couple degrees you know tilted to the left so you can kind of see what a, a better a brighter view of someone that's on easy street would have it uh the joint stuff is here or there for me um but the and the use of negan i thought was more effective than uh it has been in the past when there's a lot of negan focus on an episode so like i think it's fine i think it's a good episode it's a little slower a little less impactful but still you know sets things in motion for what have you so three and a half busters Okay, Chubb. Uh, yeah, I, to me it was kind of, uh, it wasn't a bad episode, but it wasn't like this big highlight of the season or anything. It, but it was pretty much middle of the road, but I think Josh McDermott, you know, he stepped it up just a little bit. So rather than middle of the road three, I'm going to go with a 3.25. Um, definitely, you know, entertaining episode. Okay, Jim. I'm not too far off from the other guys. I give it a three five. It was I like Eugene as a character, and I like I like the, the um, portrayal by Josh McDermott. I just but even even you know liking Eugene as much as I do, it, it seemed to go on. This episode seemed to go on a little long in parts. Um, the the Dwight stuff was fine, I guess. I mean, I don't I don't understand why they they keep filling in the same backstory of this character over and over. We know what happened. We know where you know how he got where he is. I understand all that. If they're trying to give me uh, maybe sympathetic to him, then they really are kind of working across purposes after this episode. Um, but I thought it was fine. It was decent. I, I agree with Aaron. The, the, they're using Negan a lot more effectively now, not as a uh, big cartoon character, but kind of maybe dialed down a notch or two, so he's a little more menacing up close and personal. And uh, I, thought, I thought it was a decent episode, so 3-5 uh, for me. 
I'll give it a three seven five. Actually, um, I I liked everything you just said about the Negan definitely coming off a little bit more human. The balance is better there for me. The Dwight stuff really got me. I finally kind of get him now. I really the anguish it, it, it hit home for me a little bit. Finally, I didn't really get it until now. Um, of course, seeing Eugene, he's great. I mean, Josh McDermott. Every time we see Eugene, it puts a smile on our faces and what more can you ask for from the walking dead like you know you're guaranteed to have some good one-liners we saw True. eugene eating pickles and playing atari hanging out with hot girls like what what more do you really want i mean this is like you know something we've all been kind of waiting for at least i have anyway so I, i'm i'm i liked what i saw it did slow things down a bit we did see a lot like a lot of ramp up where rick is organizing and planning and at least from the preview it seems like we're getting back to that next week thankfully uh i don't think it slowed the story down too much i do want to say i think i've seen enough of the sanctuary now we've had enough episodes there we know the politics we know the structure we know the hierarchy we've had like what three episodes pretty much in the sanctuary now we had one with carl the one with daryl and now the one with eugene like all right i get it well we also had one with tara uh, well, I mean, in the sanctuary. I mean, you're talking about. Oh, I'm just... sorry. I thought you meant just an episode that spotlighted a character. No, right? no. I meant like the sanctuary episodes. Like you know, yeah. But the one with Tara did was kind of her own thing. You're right. But I mean, like I, I get the sanctuary now, so it's enough. I want to see our group kind of you know building for war and just. I, I think we need to keep ramping that up. We we don't want to ramp up, ramp up, stop, ramp up. We we want to just keep going. I want it to ramp up to this huge climax for episode 16. I hope they just go on a run from now to the end and hopefully they will and and, and have a big uh, big all-out war. So um, 3.75 for me. But who cares what we think? We have an amazing Facebook group. It's uh, facebook.com. Uh, just do a search for the Walking Dead TV podcast. Hit join. We get you in super quick. You can then leave your very own Buster ratings for The Walking Dead or for Fear of the Walking Dead, those of you that stick around for that. And we call them Toby ratings. So anyway, Jim, what did our listeners have to say this week about the episode? Well, of our 818 members, two new this week, and welcome to you. Um, we got some cool comments. Jeff Rhodes starts things off this week. 6.1 pickles out of 9. I don't know if I need to see any of this. It seems like I could have inferred. Uh, seems like things I could have inferred. But Eugene is awesome. His awkwardness has no limits. I love the callback to the HGP. He didn't mention that his prior boss, uh, T. Brooks Ellis, thought that his hair made him a fun guy. <laughs> uh, the uncarrier is wasting some serious airtime. <laughs> uh, killing, killing a doctor is pretty stupid. I can't. I really can't tell if Eugene is pretending to be his old cowardly self or he's, or he's pretending to lure them in. And thanks for the silent preview, AMC. So what, they gave the preview but with no sound? Um, I don't know. I watched it online. No, I saw it. I heard sound. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Brent, Brent Jones, 3.5, shaving a haircut, two bits out of five. This <laughs> is fun, and it set up Dwight, sets up Dwight to flip down the road. All the pieces are in place, so let's get this fight going already. I feel like haircut will eventually flip on Negan, but he just doesn't trust the situation with the girls he just met. And they want me to feel bad, and they want me to feel bad for generic Daryl, but I just don't. Hmm. Um, Lola Lopez uh, Eugene was funny lobster. Dwight, I can't wait for Daryl to get him. Negan, I don't get it. All those people afraid of one man. Uh, Katie Levesque, 3.5 out of 5 homemade pickles. Eugene is either selling his soul to the saviors or he's trying to go undercover in ultimate bullshit mode. Uh, funny Negan buys into it, curious to see what awaits our characters next week. 
Uh, Janet Brooms, 3.9 out of 5 hydrogen, not helium, balloons. Uh, Despite the fact that Dwight and Eugene are not my favorites, I really enjoyed this episode, even without any big walker kills. Uh, DeRay Irvin, 3 Dr. Smarty Pants out of 5. Oh, wait, I mean no doctors because Eugene is not a qualified experienced doctor. All in caps. (laughs) Uh, This episode was a little all over the place for me. Negan made dumb, non-Negan-like moves, i.e. killing his doctor and believing Dwight, period. After all, however, all in all, I love the Eugeneness of the episode. And feel he's playing his cards right till he can make a real move. Uh, Scott Homan, three beer and pretzels out of five. I really liked everything in this episode. Was still very disappointed by it. I don't need super action every week, but I do feel a need to see the storyline progress, and this didn't lead us anywhere. Uh, Mike Jones, five weird science kills out of uh, weird science skills out of five. <laughs> um, this episode was a home run for me. Eugene likes the power and feeling important. Could be a clever ruse, but I think Eugene likes his new surroundings a whole lot. Uh, Seth Tillman, 3.5 smelting podcasters on the regs <laughs> out of five. <laughs> I'm not too happy about being in the singular focus episodes, but Eugene's jerk scene and his eyeing Negan's wives' chesticles made up for it. Is he Negan or is he not? And the Human Genome Project, I could take about, I could talk about that all night. Serious as substance. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Seth Tillman, P.S. Is this the end of Sherry? Uh, Johnny Storer, five out of five. And I'm talking about Negan's redheaded wife. Jesus Christ. Wow. Anyways, solid episode. Not t- too sure how I feel about Eugene going full Negan. <laughs> I feel that Dwight has turned now. Again, five out of five redheads. Well, somebody's got a fan. Yeah. Uh, Mike Glicksman, four Navin Johnson thermoses. <laughs> As enjoyable, there's a there's a deep cut call. Um, as enjoyable as a Eugene centered episode could be expected. Uh, Mage, make sure you close that pickle jar because that's how you get ants. <laughs> uh, Mary Turkpecchia, four well done doctors out of five. I prefer my medium rare. Um, better than I thought it was going to be. Honestly, dreaded a standalone savior episode, but this one delivered. Didn't mind the plot line with Dwight at all. It was good to see him staying next to Eugene at the end. Remember how they met? <laughs> Hmm. Looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, that is awkward, isn't it? Uh, Susan Monk, three legitimate grievances out of five. <laughs> I love They Might Be Giants, and it was just as weird to hear their song on Walking Dead as it was to hear Easy Street again. Uh, Eugene should get the post-apocalyptic acting award for his performance of the Saviors. Uh, Ian Roswell, 3.75 Dr. Flavor Pop-Tarts out of five. <laughs> Bit of a step back this week, but it's nice to see Eugene is successful with women as I am. Oh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington four. I just got the easy track out of my head. Easy Street track out of my head. Now I'm humming it again. Out of five, another good episode. I really liked how it centered on Eugene. <coughs> okay, yes, we got it. Please don't make me reach through the internet and stop you, because I will. Uh, Rob Cook, four grimly gunks out of five. Eugene being on Easy Street making suicide pills was an interesting story concept, but really worked. Uh, after Negan cremated the resident physician, doctor, in quotes, Eugene Smarty Pants, is under a fair bit of pressure now. This is serious as sepsis. Uh, Andrew Park, <laughs> in the UK, we call the last pickle in the jar a Wally. Really? Wally, Wally is also used. Uh, a term used for someone who is in some areas very intelligent and in other areas very stupid and clumsy. I suppose it was serendipity that Eugene was given this meme to work with. 
I didn't much care for the time spent with the saviors. I suppose the showrunners are doing a good job. But all I wanted to do, as Sherry did, was to get the hell out of that prison. 3.5 Dr. Apocalypse pizzas out of 5. What a well-written and informative comment. Good job, Andrew. Oh, Wally. Uh, I did learn something today. So Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, Opinder, Sangha, uh, 3.5 pickles in a jar out of 5. I have to say I enjoyed the fact Eugene got to act and allow himself to flow through Easy Street, knowing he's 110% needed by Negan. He, for me, is the perfect person to make sure the saviors implode. Totally love the fact he put it all out there for Dwight to realize he has a friend on the inside and together they need to play the game. We are Negan. And if you would like to join in on the commenting fun and the rating fun, and also if you'd like to direct link to Aaron Newworth's write-ups on each episode on theyoungfolks.com, then by all means, join the Facebook group, The Walking Dead TV Podcast on the Facebooks. Excellent. Jim, thank you so much this and every week for reading uh, the, the comments. It's, I think it's most listeners' favorite part of the show, some of them anyway, waiting to you to hear their, uh, their very own comments read by you. So definitely that's awesome. Very kind. That's very kind. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts on this week's, uh, this week's episode? I wonder if he has any other games on the Atari, but, you know, it seems I, like he just... Yeah, you think they have more than one cartridge, you know? Yeah, he probably. I mean, he's playing a good. Yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, he only had so much time to play. So you know, you, you want to beat that one game. L- first. Little pitfall, little. Uh, what are the good ones on Atari? I mean, yeah. you get so many. Well, uh, adventure, maybe some haunted house. Oh, yeah, adventure is great. Just not ET. I would skip ET. That one. Would no. Be oh, yeah. The um, <laughs> on Talking Dead though, uh, Josh McDermott was talking about it. It was just a video loop they were playing, but he told them. I, I need you to get me an Atari 2600 because I need to learn the moves so that I can at least look like I'm playing. Oh, and, okay, okay. So he got it, and he said that that he didn't that he played Pitfall, he played Yars Revenge, he played Asteroids. He t- he named off a whole bunch of games that he got to play for work. <laughs> That's the, thing that bother, the thing that bothered me about that scene, though, he said he offered the girls, uh, the ladies, to play Warlords with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a four-player game. He would have needed four working paddle controllers. There could have been four game. working paddle controllers. There could have been, but they're really hard to <laughs> find. Order even now, like pre- okay. pre-apocalypse, they're hard <laughs> to find. Forget about post-apocalypse. They may not have. They may not have lobster, but they probably have multiple Atari controllers. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The working paddles are, are harder to find than you think. <laughs> I have seven of them, and they actually you can get refurb or not refurbished, but remanufactured but you copy can't get ones. Them in the apocalypse, job. <laughs> I'm just saying. Saying. Okay, I, you know, there's one thing I actually just forgot to mention real quick. There was when he was talking to the girls, they were trying to say you're a good guy, and don't you want to get back at Negan? He's like, you know, we killed a bunch of their people. We killed like thirty or some out of their people, and he killed a few of ours. I say, you know, turnabout and all that. Like he kind of almost, he basically spelled out that yeah, we we did him some wrong too. You know, it's not like like they're innocent in all this. They did kill thirty sure. or some odd saviors. Well, sure, kind of Putin's to, a killer, but uh, you know, yeah. look at us. Take a look at us. Well, right. well it, kind of, it kind of it kind of speaks to you know the the whole you know did he or didn't he turn question. You know what I mean? Because right. it kind of stands to the fact well maybe he did turn because you know maybe that is how he's looking at this. Or, yeah. Right. So we will see. We will see. So uh, where can our listeners find us and read our reviews, hear our lovely voices, and all that other fun stuff? When we're not talking The Walking Dead, Aaron. 
Uh, you can find me chatting it up with my friend Abe on our podcast, Out Now with Aaron and Abe. We talk about the newest Beaver releases as well as other stuff occasionally as well. We just, uh, we, well, we did a two-parter involving the Oscars where we made predictions, and then we also did a recap show last night. Um, we also talked about the film Get Out, which recently came oh, out. Oh, I can't wait to see that. The Jordan Peele mm. movie. Yeah, it's uh, very good. And uh, yeah, uh, lots of other lots of other fun like that. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Nice. Chubbs? Well, you can hear me with Jim there on the DCTV podcast. Uh, um, we just recorded, what was it, uh, Saturday? Yeah, episode 92 yep. just went up yesterday. Yep, and uh, we'll have another one this week as well. So um, you can hear us over there. DCTV podcast. Um, low in fat and now gluten free. <laughs> Maybe you are. <laughs> Jim? Personally, I like the extra gluten. But anyway, uh, yes, you can hear me on the DCTV podcast with Chub Toad. Also on Nothing's On with uh, Daryl Taylor, who's usually on this podcast, and uh, Donnie Salvo over on the Taylor Network of Podcasts. And also on the Taylor Network of Podcasts, you can also hear me on yet another show now called Paradigm Shift. It's a uh, campaign of uh, Dungeons & Dragons that we uh, record and have made into podcast form for your enjoyment and listening pleasure. Uh, Paradigm Shift, the first episode just went up this week. Check and it out. it's really a lot of fun. So by all means, that is also available on the uh, Taylor Network Podcast.com. And you can follow me on the Twitters at Yoda Jones. Excellent. And if you want to hear my other show, it's the Auto Chat Show, autochatshow.com, facebook.com forward slash autochatshow. Me and my co-host Teddy review new cars, discuss cars and pop culture, whatever else might creep into our brains during that particular moment in time. Uh, last week we talked about the uh, the Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk, Grand Cherokee Trailhawk. Next week we're talking about the Hyundai Santa Fe. So we're doing like an SUV-themed uh, winter here and uh, some nice 4x4s we get to talk about. So check us out. That'll be coming up probably sometime this this week, and then we'll be covering the New York International Auto Show very shortly after that. We're trying to get some guests on from some various automakers as well. So stay tuned for some good stuff on the Auto Chat Show. And you can get us at Auto Chat Show on the uh, Twitters, Instagrams, and all that kind of fun stuff. Periscopes as well. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, I'll take this. I'm going to take that too. And I'm going to take, I don't know what this is. I'm calling it a grumbly good. <laughs> That's how Eugene does his shopping. I like it. I'll put the rest on account. <laughs> that works. Can I put the rest on a service merchandise gift card? <laughs> service merchandise. Yeah, Caldor. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that on the Wheel of Fortune when they actually had the prizes you had to spend the money on and then you had that little bit left over you had to put on the service merchandise gift certificate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> service. They're gone, man. That's long gone. That was back when Chuck Woolery was the host, right? Two and two, baby. Two and two. Hell yeah. Poor Love Connection. Oh, uh, Love Connection. Let's get all that Before Aaron was born, probably. Yep, probably. <laughs> young, 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 young. You'll go on me. You'll be better off alone. If I'm not who.
Come and go.